Greetings, and welcome to the fourth and final podcast in the series Central Europe Goes Pop, produced for the Worth Institute for Austrian and Central European Studies at the University of Alberta. My name is Alexander Carpenter, and I'm the director of the Institute as of about a month ago. By way of getting my feet wet and introducing myself to the Worth community, I've been preparing these podcasts about popular music, which is a research interest of mine, in Central Europe. I've learned a lot about Central European popular music and culture in the process of doing these podcasts, and I hope you have too. In previous episodes, I've touched on some aspects of studying and talking about Central European popular music. First, I think there are some abiding methodological issues, as I've said. How does one approach popular music as a scholar? Are pop songs primarily sonic artifacts or sociological artifacts? Which methodologies or interpretive paradigms from other disciplines are applicable to popular music? These aren't questions I can answer, but it's generally my conviction as a musicologist that pop songs must be treated as songs first and foremost. But, of course, this doesn't cancel out the fact that pop songs also play a crucial role in communicating sociocultural information. And so we find ourselves in this final podcast talking about pop music, gender and sexuality. I suppose that in this, the third decade of the 21st century, it probably doesn't seem terribly novel or exciting to note that music can be, among other things, expressive of gender and sexuality in some way. And given the ways in which we talk about gender, especially these days, as a construct, as something that is fluid, as something that exists somewhere along a spectrum, perhaps it simply makes sense to us that music, as maybe the quintessentially expressive medium, could offer a means to construct or perform gender, as the gender theorists would say. And certainly gender has been at play in popular music for many decades, at least from David Bowie's tentative, if short-lived, bisexual flirtations in the 1970s, to the modest number of openly gay performers and groups beginning to appear on MTV in the 1980s, to the diminishment of the so-called phallocentric hard rock aesthetic in the 90s, to the mainstreaming of gay and trans performers in the 2000s. Musical scholarship has been a little late to this party, really only embracing feminist and later queer theory perspectives in the 1990s, and then not without some resistance. Given that music has long been associated with sexuality, Music has both an alluring power and a dangerous corruptive aspect, and that it can function as an expressive mechanism of gender and sexual signification, as the musicologist Jody Taylor puts it. I thought it might be interesting to focus on gender and music in this podcast. It's interesting, but it's also fraught, I realize. Uh, Gender especially itself doesn't really seem to be a stable term these days, and I have neither the interest nor the expertise to get involved in an argument over what constitutes gender. So if you'll allow me, I'll use the word in fairly broad terms, sometimes in conjunction with or overlapping with sexuality, and I'll be primarily concerned with the notion that gender and sexuality can be performed or expressed in music in myriad ways, trying to avoid, as I have throughout these podcasts, essentializing even as I'm necessarily painting with a broad brush. In the first podcast in this series, Vienna Calling, gender and sexuality came up, but only briefly. I mentioned that queer pop groups 
constituted one form of resistance to the desire of the state's cultural institutions to lump all Austrian-made pop music under the homogenizing term Austropop. And I also mentioned Conchita Wurst, the bearded drag queen who became famous in 2014 after winning the Eurovision Song Contest. Conchita is not a trans person, but rather a gay male singer named Thomas Neuwert. Prior to winning Eurovision, Neuwert performed as a soloist, as a member of the short-lived boy band Jetz Anders, uh, which he formed after placing second on the TV talent show Starmania. Shortly thereafter, he created the Conchita Wurst persona, a provocative name that plays on the colloquial meaning of the word Wurst, obviously. After a number of high-profile performances as Conchita, including performances at the Sydney Opera House and the United Nations, Neuwert announced in 2019 that he would be performing not only in drag, but that he would adopt a second persona, Wurst, all in capitals, to perform as a gay man. Confusingly, but perhaps also in line with the topic of this podcast, Neuwert also identifies as Conchita Wurst. Uh, the name is elided together, which is effectively two personalities at once. It's quite difficult, in fact, to distinguish between them sometimes. In most cases, Neuwert performs in drag, or is at least dressed very androgynously while sporting a full beard. In 2020, Neuwert, as Wurst, released the single Small Town Boy with Ricky Marino, a Spanish singer who was likewise a TV talent show winner. Promoted as an LGBTQ anthem, the track is in fact a cover of the 1984 hit single by the British electropop group Bronsky Beat, fronted by Jimmy Somerville. What was striking about the original version and its accompanying video was its uncompromising message of gay solidarity and community in the face of homophobia, presented via the unusual aesthetic choice to sing the entire song in falsetto. The vocal range of the song is such that, for the most part, it doesn't have to be sung that way. Somerville can sing it in his chest voice. It falls mostly within the normative male register. The point in the original single is to musically register both protest and difference. Not to simulate a woman singing, because it clearly sounds like a forced male falsetto voice, but rather Somerville's voice compels the listener to contemplate the othering, the social alienation of homosexual men, that takes place in the narrative of the song and video by singing in a voice that is clearly other. That is, it's neither a male voice nor a female voice. In the cover version by Wurst and Marino, both men sing in chest voice, with Wurst clearly assuming a more feminine role through his clothing, a pink dress for much of the video while Marino performs as a virile man. What's interesting to contemplate um, is how much has changed from 1984 to 2020 with respect to the expression of gender and sexuality in pop music. In the Bronsky Beat original, the gender politics are understood but understated, and they're often referenced obliquely or symbolically. The falsetto voice offers itself as a fairly sophisticated coded message. By contrast, Wurst and Marino perform as openly gay men and without recourse to the falsetto voice. Instead, in the music video, they perform as a couple, with Wurst presenting a rather slippery gender identity throughout. The track becomes anthemic and celebratory in this performance, whereas the original is quite dark, and the chorus, Run Away, suddenly seems moot and unlikely, presented here in 2020 with an explicitly gay positive aura. In 2021, Neuwert, performing as Conchita Wurst, 
released the single Malibu, spelled M-A-L-E-B-U. This is a neologism, I'm assuming, playing on the word male and creating a homonym of Malibu, the city. Uh, It was released in the spring of 2021. And again, it's tricky to ferret out the difference between Vorst and Conchita Vorst, allied together. In the Malibu music video, Neuwert is mostly dressed as a man and performs as a man, albeit in a very playfully feminine manner. This brings us back to the notion of gender fluidity. In Malibu, we have a drag queen performing a kind of negative image of drag, while still insisting on inhabiting a drag persona, whereas Neuwert's performance in Small Town Boy is much less playful and more like a stylized drag performance. Neuwert's appearance at Eurovision in 2014 and 2015, in addition to launching his career, also seems to have had the effect of exposing some deep-seated anti-gay sentiments in Eastern Europe and Central Europe and in Eurasia, with Russian entrants in the contest, for example, making anti-gay slurs, and Turkey and Hungary outright boycotting the event as uh, too gay, one assumes. In contrast to Neuwert is the queer feminist synthesizer collective Sounds Queer, based in Vienna, the group which makes experimental synthesizer music in combination with social activism um, to promote safe spaces and to provide opportunities for queer musicians, has at the core of its mandate a fascinating question, namely, what is, what is queer music? As the group insists, quoting them now, The basic inspiration for the project is an idea of a marginalized body producing a marginalized sound, along with the claim that a synthesizer is an ultimate feminist instrument, thus making electronic and computer music a perfect space for questioning the rules of gender performance and music composition. We want to promote electronic music both as an interesting area of sound art investigation and a new way of self-expression. And the quote ends there. While Sounds Queer is arguably on the borderline of popular music, the synthesizer and their use of a four-on-the-floor dance beat, which you'll hear in the linked example, is nonetheless a hallmark of pop music, and it's the connecting thread in this podcast. There's a Polish equivalent to Thomas Neuwert named Maddox, a young singer who also achieved initial stardom via a talent show, Poland's Got Talent in this case, Maddox's music is often openly political, addressing social justice issues. His single, Sex, S-E-X, and the accompanying black and white music video are strongly reminiscent of 90s era Madonna. And one assumes from this video especially that Maddox is channeling Madonna through his looks and through his single name. The single comprises a slow electronic dance groove over top of which Maddox speaks in English and then sings the song's chorus in French. The song and the music video for his uh, 2011 breakout single, La Révolution Sexuelle, presents Maddox as decidedly androgynous and is reminiscent of Bronsky Beat's aesthetic with its falsetto crooning. The video offers a performance not only of gender fluidity and a demonstration of how much music can serve Uh, as this expressive mechanism of gender and sexual signification we mentioned earlier. Uh, Here, Maddox is strikingly androgynous. But it also flirts uncomfortably with the taboo of underage sexuality, though I should be quick to add Maddox is in his early 20s in this video. However, when you go to the video on YouTube, it does come with a, a content warning. And it might be a little bit disturbing to watch. 
While Maddox and Neuwirth are, in a way, doing some of the same things with music and performance, the context is obviously rather different. Poland's attitude, certainly on an official level, towards LGBTQ issues is quite different from Austria's. I think it's fair to say. Where Austria has a vibrant and quite open gay and trans community, Poland has seen ongoing tension between pro- and anti-gay activism, and with the government holding up traditional family structures and values as a bulwark against LGBTQ ideologies. Meanwhile, in Hungary, I think it's fair to say that a queer music scene is not exactly thriving either. But there certainly are queer Hungarian pop musicians. Prominent among them is Christoph Halosh, the singer of the band Unbending Trees. And while the band members are straight, Halosh is gay. However, he insists that he makes a point of trying to be genderless in his songwriting and performance. Though, as he, as he admits, his love songs are written for his boyfriend. A former monk, Halosh performs wistful folk pop tunes that lack all of the uh, outre elements of Wurst or Maddox. However, some of his songs address the ongoing issues of homophobia in Hungary. The song Angel's Secret, for example, harkens back to Small Town Boy and the issue of a family's refusal to accept a gay son. The title of the song, as Halosh has indicated, refers to the term for an abortionist, an angel factory, or a place where babies are left to die. And he asks whether a mother would abort her child if she knew that he would grow up to be gay. Halosh addresses such political questions in an oblique and sometimes ambiguous way. In the case of Angel Secret, he sings with a heartrending gentleness and a very spare accompaniment and ultimately leaves this issue open for interpretation and for thinking about. This short podcast marks the end of the series Central Europe Goes Pop, and it also brings things full circle. As I said at the outset, talking about Central European pop music is a difficult task. One can't adequately survey it or make meaningful generalizations about it or capture the increasing diversity of styles across seven decades and seven countries. What I hope is clear is that pop music is in some places and at some times an important vehicle, not only for self-expression, but for addressing socio-political concerns and for asserting identity, be it ethnic, linguistic, nationalistic, or queer. I think, too, that an important overarching theme is the ongoing tension between homegrown Central European pop and the monolith of the American pop music industry, or even the growing and homogenizing European music industry, for that matter, as evidenced by the Eurovision phenomenon. I trust that the few examples I've talked about today offer a taste of the complexities of music, gender, and sexuality. From an openly gay man using uh, multimedia performance as drag queens and androgynes, to advocate for gay identities and gay rights, to a queer feminist experimental music collective seeking to challenge gender norms in the quest to answer the question, what is queer music? To a gay Hungarian singer-songwriter who aims to be genderless in his music, but who must inevitably touch on the difficult issues of homosexuality in the context of his country's seemingly intractable anti-gay ideology. There's obviously much more to be said on this and all of the topics I've presented in this podcast series, Please listen to the tracks discussed in today's podcast via the links provided. Thank you very much for tuning in, and special thanks to Rochelle Wright for producing this series. If you enjoyed these podcasts, please check out the website of the Worth Institute for additional online programming. Happy summer. <laughs>